Hello and welcome to the Fundamental Value Podcast, hosted by Joshua Frank, co-founder and CEO of The Tie. On Fundamental Value, we speak with leading analysts, traditional finance and digital asset firms, and investigate how leading minds in the cryptocurrency space, research, analyze, and quantify the value of digital assets. Quick disclaimer, this podcast was recorded and is being made available solely for informational purposes. Hello and welcome to Fundamental Value, a journey to quantify crypto. I'm your host, Joshua Frank, co-founder and CEO of The Tie. Today, I am more than excited to be joined by Mo Sheikh, who is the co-founder and CEO of Aptos. Mo, it's great to have you on. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, big fan of the show. Um, love what you've been doing for such a long time and uh, excited to be here. Cool. So we always like to start with a little background and, you know, figuring out how you kind of found your way down the the proverbial crypto rabbit hole. So can you kind of walk us through your background, you know, before crypto? And we were chatting a little bit before the show about, you know, your your, your earlier years within the space. Yeah, uh, I mean, we, we were chatting about how we how I deeply miss New York and uh, have moved to the Bay Area, but uh, uh, it, it, part of it was uh, for for crypto. But uh, um, I mean, I'm a, I'm a first generation immigrant. Um, you know, my, my parents came to America in 1990, and um, you know, my, my father had to work uh, two jobs. He was making bedding sheets in the morning at a factory, and he was um, you know driving a taxi cab at, uh, in the evenings. And, you know, the interesting thing there is a story that resonated with me um, you know, pretty much through, throughout my entire life. But when he would kind of work for that taxi company, he didn't bring home all the money that he earned from fares. A lot of that money would go to the medallion owners who were kind of faceless entities, a platform for taxis. And, um, and, and, and you know, that, that story was interesting because, you know, as I ultimately stumbled upon, um, you know, working in uh, uh, Wall Street and working at places like BlackRock, I saw that same story being repeated. You know, people that are building and creating a lot of the value end up losing a lot of that value to, um, to, to, to parties in between that may just act as brokers or rent seekers. Um, uh, you know, fast forward coming out of BlackRock, I, I went to business school, I had a couple startups, uh, but I joined uh, BCG as a consultant. And um, in, in, uh, in, in 2016, I got pulled on a case where we started looking at crypto and, and blockchain technology. And what I loved about what blockchain technology was potentially doing, it was creating closer proximity from, you know, the person that was creating value to the person who would ultimately benefit from that value. And that was kind of a light bulb moment for me. And I thought, you know, blockchain could have a really big impact um, and really be disruptive to a lot of platforms. And kind of fast forward, here we are. Um, ultimately, um, you know, uh, well, here I am kind of bu- bu- building some of the c- core pieces, uh, the L1 and the infrastructure to help make that happen. And so um, it, it's, it's been an exciting uh, journey being in, in, in the space. Um, and, 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 you know, c- coming out of that, that consulting case, um, the only uh, folks that were really out there um, in, in, in 2017 was um, Ethereum and, and a company called Consensus. You know, they were trying to take um, blockchain and actually commercialize it and, and bring real use cases to it. Ethereum uh, iterated and improved upon Bitcoin in a, in a cool way. Um, and, not, and, and, and Bitcoin did some amazing stuff itself. And so um, you, you're, you started seeing the potential of what could uh, come to fruition. And then, you know, uh, ultimately, I think, uh, you know, we saw uh, where things can really be um, 
disruptive to different platforms. And uh, I'm sure we're going to dive into all that, all that fun stuff. Uh, but uh, now, now, uh, you know, I ended up kind of uh, at co-founding Aptos with my, uh, my co-founder Avery um, and, and happy to share a little bit more of that Genesis story if that's interesting. Yeah. Well, I'm actually, before we even get into that, I'm curious about consensus because, you know, a lot was happening at consensus in 2017. I mean, it was kind of an incubator for all of crypto and a lot of ideas failed. Certainly MetaMask was one of the successful ones that, that kind of emerged, you know, you know, uh, out of consensus and continues to be, you know, by far the largest revenue driver for that business. But um, you, you, you presumably, you know, built an unbelievable network in this space. I mean, it, it's kind of, you know, a lot of what happened in crypto, a lot of the founders of different projects, uh, VCs at different firms, you know, mutuals that we were, we were just even discussing were also at consensus. So curious as to what it was like actually working at consensus in 2017. Um, as I respond to that question, I'm looking at the, the, the Fox plugin on my, uh, on my browser. Um, it's, uh, it, it was, it was amazing. I mean, um, you, you, uh, well, the energy that, um, that existed around, um, that bubble, um, uh, that community that, uh, that existed in Brooklyn, um, was very powerful to see. You had folks that were, um, you know, creators that were, you know, interested in things like NFTs that before even NFTs were a term, you had um, culture forming around what crypto um, ended up becoming um, a, a very large catalyst because it attracted so many people that were passionate about that story around platforms just taking um, a, a, a big piece of uh, that value. And then you had, you know, a group of uh, technologists that consensus that were actually making things happen. Uh, MetaMask was a great product um, and ended up going from, you know, a few hundred users to, you know, millions of users and consensus, you know, a, a lot of credit goes to them for, for being brave enough to go out there and make that happen. But there were other tools that I think consensus was building that were very interesting. I, I got to see things like Truffle and Infura, which ended up being cornerstone uh, building blocks for anyone that wanted to deploy an application on Ethereum. And so, um, you know, th that was uh, th that was a lot of work and, and you got to give a lot of credit to the team at consensus. Um, and, 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 and what Joe, uh, Joe Lubin and, and um, his, his vision of actually bringing Ethereum to developers to, to actually build instead of just, you know, having to go out and do it uh, independently. And so um, Consensus did a great job of that. And, and being at the ground level in those early days, I mean, it was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, I remember, um, you know, watching, uh, you know, an NFT standard, uh, I mean, before the NFT standard became the NFT standard and using it for things like crypto kitties in very early days. And, and now you got folks like Roham and, and uh, Dieter and Dapper Labs and Flow that all kind of, you know, came out of, uh, you know, came out of crypto kitties and, and, and amazing stuff happening there. So it was just incredible to see the amount of um, energy and innovation in um, a small warehouse in Brooklyn um, that has, you know, now permeated throughout the world. And, um, you know, certainly important lessons that we're applying, um, as we're, as we're thinking about at the Aptos community growth. And so let's contribute, uh, let's, let's, sorry, let's uh, transition into Aptos. So can you kind of tell us about the birth and you've been in this space for a while. There are a lot of layer ones. Why, why do we need another one? Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> so I, I guess, you know, when, when we were, um, uh, when I was looking at, um, you know, deploying applications on Ethereum, it became very clear that there, there were, you know, interesting products that you can now build. Um, and actually, CryptoKitty is a perfect example. I mean, when, when I was out there breeding cats and trying to, you know, sell them to, to you or to my buddy Thomas or whoever, um, the challenge was everyone's excited about this thing, but gas fees are just going up. And so 
execution of those uh, of of sharing value with each other became actually more expensive and more inefficient than the than large platforms that existed today. And so that was a gap that really needed to be solved, whether it's low gas fees or thinking about things like throughput and, and low latency. Um, and so some of the use cases that had so much promise just weren't coming to fruition. Um, in 2019, I, I read a white paper uh, written by a few folks at, at Meta um, or Facebook at the time uh, that were right uh, that were creating this project called Libra, and um, you know their approach to scaling was unconventional relative to everyone out there in the market. Um, and this is at, the, at a time where there are a bunch of protocols trying to move uh, the ball forward, and, and, and some of them have done that, uh, and other scaling solutions like Layer 2s as well. Um, but Facebook was taking a very different approach. The, the, the Libra technology at the time was taking a very different approach. It was rethinking how do you bring billions of people into the space um, and, and give them assurances um, that their assets can be safe and secure and, be, uh, compl- and, and not break composability. Um, so I joined Meta um, and you know, got to meet an amazing group of um, scientists and uh, engineers that were building um, the technology that could, again, support that level of, of, of scale for someone like Meta, you know, 3 billion plus users. Um, uh, of course, there were challenges with bringing that project to fruition, but Avery and I were incredibly passionate, along with um, you know, a lot of the team that's here today, about how this technology could have a lot of impact. And we thought it was too powerful of a technology to sit within any one entity. And so, you know, fast forward, we're very fortunate to be out here to, uh, you know, to, to, to bring it to life. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's been pretty much th- three months uh, uh, today since, uh, as we're speaking uh, uh, for, for, for the product to be out of market. And, but, but, you know, for us, it was all about, you know, why do we need another L1 to, to, your, to your second question? Um, you know, what we did not see t- uh, taking place is, you know, products being able to hit scale uh, despite seeing product market fit signals. And I think an application that I think of uh, uh, that I think about is someone like Stepin. Um, they had extreme virality take place in kind of a move to earn model, which I thought was fascinating. Uh, but you know, me- what they also did was powerful is bring a social component to things. The challenge was the more people started using it, it started things started to break down. Uh, that doesn't happen when you de- deploy an application on AWS or Google, right? on cloud infrastructure. So why should that happen on a blockchain? And so that those conversations with projects, um, the pain points that they were facing really validated the need for another blockchain. One that does not have downtime uh, that you know people have experienced in the previous generation. You know, one that where if you and I are really excited by using applications, now, you know, you and I got to wait until, you know, maybe midnight to transact. So costs are, are lower. Um, if you and I are, or someone is sending money across the world or a stable coin across the world, well, I, I mean, latency shouldn't be an issue or something that you need to think about. Um, and so, you know, all, all these conversations with applications, with builders validated, there is an incredible amount of demand in this space, in, in this world uh, for uh, not just block space, but block space um, that has assurances and guarantees for applications to run smoothly. Um, you know, so a lot of our builders that are building on top of Aptos, uh, over 200 projects that are uh, building today are very excited about that. They can build applications on us that they cannot build anywhere else. Um, and so, you know, they're going to have a competitive advantage when they're going to market. Of that and, and why it's different. So like, what is an application that you can build that you wouldn't be able to build, for example, on, you know, there are, because there are a lot of blockchains that are focused on increasing block space, increasing TPS and other things. So, you know, I, I think this idea of assurances is kind of interesting, but 
Like what what are the what are the types of things that you could build on Aptos that you couldn't build on a different chain? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. So, um, in, in terms of um, what can you do, uh, what you can't do today, right? So, if there's a game, for example, that has you know 10 million users, uh, there are um, you know, uh, and they're all excited about owning an asset within a game. Owning is just one component. Yeah, we can buy and we can all buy at separate times. But now, what if you and I are in a Fortnite environment? Um, I need you to pass me that skin or that 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 weapon uh, to be able to complete a task within a game. And I need to, we need to get it done in the next second. Right? I mean, you can kind of forget about it based on latency across the board today, um, especially latency when you have 10 million users uh, playing the, the game at the same time. And so um, a company like NPixel, which was solving exactly this problem, they got 10 million users in a game called Grand Saga, um, uh, one of the most uh, widely played games um, in Asia. Um, you know, th- they wanted to use Web3. They saw the same thing that we saw, but they did not feel comfortable with the technology out in market. And so they've done a, an unbelievable amount of digging um, from a technical perspective to see what can support this vision of like you and I playing across the world, um, you know, sub-second latency to be able to transact and share those assets and, 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 and in kind of an immersive experience, whether you want to call that a metaverse, that's on you. Um, but, you know, th- to be able to share value and assets seamlessly is, is absolutely critical for gaming. And so uh, Grand Saga is going to be going live later this year. And we're, you know, we're incredibly proud of what, um, uh, what Metapixel and that team has been able to do in such a short amount of time um, and, and, and bring that use case to life. Um, the, the, the differentiating factor for them is not only, you know, low latency and, and high throughput, but it's also things like Move. So Move as a smart contract programming language was built from the, the ground up uh, with safety and security uh, is in mind, you know, be, to be able to give large enterprises that assurance. So, you know, when you write a smart contract and, you know, get it out in, into the environment, it doesn't, it doesn't just haphazardly get, get deployed. Uh, we have something called the Move Prover. Um, Wolfgang, who's on our team, uh, can go into the details if anyone is interested. He's, he's putting amazing content out there. But essentially, imagine writing a smart contract. But before you deploy it into production, it goes through a series of checks and, and, and assurances to basically give, give you confidence as a developer that, oh, okay, I feel comfortable putting this smart contract out. And if, it's, if there's something that's uh, uh, a yellow flag, it gets kicked back to you and you can you know, kind of clean things up and polish it and, and give, again... That, that smart contract language, a lot more safety in the, in the wild. And so, you know, this is something that we saw as a major pain point in existing ecosystems. So having the Move Virtual Machine, um, having things like the Move Prover end up adding to those assurances that someone like a gaming company is looking for. And it can probably also support a lot of the folks that um, listen to, uh, to, to, to your audience, right? So, you know, if you have uh, someone interested in, in building the next generation of financial uh, applications, um, you know, they want to be able to provide their users, their stakeholders, their constituents, the same uh, same assurances and things like Move are, again, uh, a step change in, in, uh, in differentiation. And so, you know, one of the things that you spoke about, and, you know, you spoke about it in light of Meta, but I think also with what you're doing now is being able to support hundreds of millions, if not billions of users, right? Currently, we don't have that. You know, if you look on chain, if you look at any application, you know, there's you know, Uniswap, which is one of the most widely used applications on a good day. I mean, I have the number, it's 100,000 users or less, right? It's a very small amount. And that's probably the most widespread or widely used application on chain. Obviously, there's some NFT projects, you know, GameFi, I think at this point is a little bit more theoretical, but it sounds like, 
you're one of the, I, I mean, I think GameFi hasn't really been tested yet just because it takes a long time to get AAA games built or integrated with Web3, right? It doesn't necessarily happen overnight. And so I'm curious as to what do you think are going to be those like first real world widely accepted use cases of crypto? I think GameFi is a very interesting example of that. And then what are you specifically focused on building and attracting uh, you know, to your chain, right? Are you focused on GameFi specifically? Or are you focused on DeFi? I mean, do you think it makes sense to specialize in a particular sector? So there's a lot to unpack there and I'll kind of leave you to it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna hold you uh, accountable to help me break that question down as, we, uh, as I, I kind of respond. So I think there's um, three questions, right? Yeah. It's, what, like real world widespread use cases, what are you focused on? And like, what is your core focus, right? Are, are you focused on on multiple different things? Yeah, so so um, if we think about the previous generation of protocols, um, there were there were a lot of constraints and design decisions that folks had to make, right? Um, do I want to co- uh, think about centralization? Do I want to think about performance? Do I want to talk uh, think about efficiency and cost and settlement, or do I want to think about uh, again um, uh, security potentially? And so you know, we did not believe that those were trade offs that actually needed to take place. Um, and, you know, again, we had four years to actually think about things very, very carefully. There's uh, over 100 people uh, on our team now, uh, uh, close to 15 PhDs, I believe, um, that all specialize in different industry, uh, in different fields, everything from cryptography, uh, high, uh, decentralized uh, uh, systems, um, high performance computing, and so on and so forth. And so, you know, to be able to put these minds together in a room, we are able to actually solve these problems concurrently. And so we don't have to operate with these constraints of, well, you know, if we only support centralized game use cases, we therefore cannot be decentralized enough for, I don't know, the next generation of financial um, use cases. So, you know, we, we, uh, you know, our our perspective has been, we're going to build the best protocol out there that not only rivals, you know, the protocols of the previous generation, but we want to rival existing economic value rails. And if you look at Visa, MasterCard, DTCC, and other money movement or economic value movement rails, um, even those are completely antiquated and also don't have composability with each other, right? Uh, so we wanted to we, we took that grand of a, of a perspective. So we don't think that you can't do gaming and DeFi on the same chain, and um, that's that's our approach. So um, the answer to your question is you know we're we're not focused on any one specific case uh, because you know that that I think that's maybe the wrong perspective. And that's a constraint that we don't want to operate with. I think that's what the previous generation had to do. Um, and so, you know, um, and so, but, but that doesn't mean we ignore niche use cases or niche industries. Gaming, again, being one of them, I talked about and Pixel and, and Metapixel and what they're up to. Um, you know, we, we have great relationships with partners like MoonPay on payments and how we're moving the ball forward there with them. Um, we have amazing investors like Coinbase and PayPal. And, you know, certainly imagining what, you know, those folks potentially do on our protocol will change the way we think about, you know, finance as a whole. It's, it's happening right now uh, with things like with protocols that you mentioned. In fact, some of the constraint around the protocol's uh, utility might be because of poor user experience because protocols aren't scaling with them. I would love to see, um, you know, the, the decentralized uh, protocols uh, and their performance on Aptos. We're going to do some very interesting stuff, and we're going to do it completely in the open, by the way. And, and actually, I got to invite you to this, so remind me. But we're going to do some testing live on, ch- like on chain testing on li- uh, live, to demonstrate what our network can do 
Um, so st- stay tuned for that. But you know, we, we, we want to show the world that you know not only are, are we an L one that rivals the, the previous generation, but we're you know going to rival money movement rails. So we and and and, and to do that, you can't focus on any one specific uh, use case and in industry. And so you know, we're we're really excited about what we can showcase there. So building great tech and a great blockchain is one thing. Attracting the best talent to build on it is another thing. And so how do you think about attracting you know, the best developers within crypto or outside of crypto to actually build on Aptos? How do you, you know, how do you want to track them? You know, are there certain, you know, you mentioned move, which is your own smart contract language, right? So you know, I, I like I'm not a developer, so I don't know how similar or dissimilar it is to another to another programming language. But theoretically, if it's different, you're going to have to do there's some education involved. Right. And so how do you attract not just developers, but projects to want to build? How do you incentivize them? Right. Do you guys have an ecosystem fund? How do you think about that? So kind of, you know, leave, leave you. Yeah. As well. Yeah. I, I think, um, you know. Uh, our community is is very diverse, and developers um, are a very big part of it. Um, and we think about all the pain points um, that they've had to face. I had to face personally building on top of uh, Ethereum, and we don't want that to be the world of tomorrow. In fact, if, if, if uh, protocols don't solve for that, then we're not going to get developers excited to build on any blockchain. They're going to just continue to deploy applications how they do today. And so um, they, they are certainly at the core uh, focus for us. Uh, attracting them has been interesting. Um, you know, Move, although it's a new language, it's actually very easy to pick up. Um, it's very familiar. It's uh, if you're familiar with Rust, um, you'll dive right in. Um, and, and you know, we wanted to actually put that to, to test. Uh, we had a hackathon last year in uh, in May where you know we we didn't have good documentation out on Move. It was the first time it was going to go out in the wild on a test net, and and we said, you know what, we're we're just going to invite people over into our office. Um, we like to do things that don't necessarily scale. Uh, we had, you know, amazing group of, of uh, uh, students from uh, Berkeley and Stanford show up. Uh, we had individuals from all over the country, uh, country show up. Uh, folks that taught themselves how to code that were former military uh, uh, folks. We had people show up from London and uh, and India uh, come over to our office, and none of them knew how to how to use Move. It was their first time diving in. And, you know, after 36 hours of just building, uh, no fancy hacker house. It was just, you know, pizza and, and soda. <laughs> but our team was uh, was in the trenches with them. They were all able to deploy applications. Uh, we had 12 amazing projects that came out and presented. And they and the comments that they said were, were just amazing around having built on, you know, Rust-based or Solidity-based uh, uh, protocols. Uh, they said Move was like chewing cotton candy for them, and and that was really just exciting to hear. Um, and, and 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 you know, for us, um, we saw some really interesting stuff come out of that. By the way, and you know, again, talk about things that don't scale. We we said, you know what, these projects are so amazing. We see the next generation of of, of DeFi protocols and NFTs and and and, and platforms coming out. Um, we wanted to support them, so we actually uh, took some of those projects and incubated them. Um, we gave them all um, grants uh, to get them going. Uh, folks like Martian, projects like Econia, all that are now out there uh, doing amazing things, working with some very, uh, really great tier one VCs out in, in market as well for f- getting fundraising. Uh, but they've made um, significant strides going through, uh, you know, getting some of, some of our support from the accelerator side, but taking move, uh, implementing things like, you know, uh, parallel transaction processing. 
um, into their applications and, do, and do, again, doing things you just can't do on other protocols. And so, you know, attracting developers has been pretty easy because people get really, really excited about what they can do with Move and, and they get excited about how easy it is. And then, you know, that plus the fuel that we bring with our ecosystem grants program, our accelerator program. In fact, we're going to be I'm, I'm giving a little trailer here. We're going to be announcing our next cohort of our accelerator program um, uh, soon. So, you know, we, we're, we're doing things to make sure that developers get the support that they need, whether it's through grant, uh, uh, an ecosystem grant from the foundation, all the way down to going through an accelerator program to, to getting their products out of market. So, you know, we focused on building the best technology, attracting developers to build on that technology. But in order for the project to be successful, there needs to be users, right? And I think one of the biggest challenges that has existed to this point is crypto just has bad user experience. It just is like, you know, I have to onboard onto a centralized exchange that I'm going to send money off of my centralized exchange to my to my DeFi wallet. Then I'm going to plug that DeFi wallet into an exchange or into any other application, right? Why can't I just go in and feel like I'm on any other application and very easily interact and engage with anything? And so how do you think about, how do you think about that and building a user experience? And kind of a follow-up question on that is, you know, given that you guys are a newer project and theoretically have less users in part because you've been around for less time than your polygons and your ethereums of the world, right? How do you convince somebody to build on you if they push back and they say, you know, but there's 500 million wallets on Ethereum or whatever the number is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great uh, question um, and, a, and a couple of things to unpack there. I mean, yeah, we've, we, again, we've only been live for three months, but already we're seeing um, just exponential growth um, relative to other protocols that had come out. Um, Blockto, uh, which is a wallet on our protocol, has 1.6 million um, uh, unique users already today. Um, and, and that's, that's cool. You, you have things like Pontum that have 230,000, uh, installs within, you know, months. And so, um, you know, projects that end up building on Aptos are getting an uh, amazing traction. Uh, but the reason that they're getting a, a amazing tra- uh, traction is because it's, it's so easy, uh, not only, uh, for, for, for them to build and get going, but that ease of building allows them and allows those developers to really focus on that user experience. And so, you know, for 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 the, the builders on our on our protocol, whether you're kind of a Web three project that's getting started, or a, a very large game um, that wants to bring you know Web three or digital assets to your to your gamers, you can do it in a much uh, in a very seamless way. I think you know the other uh, point that you kind of allude to is you know Web three is unique. It, it brings a very diverse set of users to the uh, to the world. I, I mean, I, I have a view where I certainly like keeping money under my couch. Um, I also like keeping money in a bank. Um, both of those serve very different purposes, right? Uh, and, and, and I think with crypto, it's the same, right? Like you can have a self-custody solution or you can have a solution where you might want to rely on another party uh, for custody for different set of uses. How much you keep in each one of those uh, scenarios, that's on you. That's based on your preferences. And so we want to provide a similar experience uh, to, to, to users. So, you know, if you want to enter through a centralized uh, way, um, we want to make that happen. If you want to, if you want to go through, if you're a Web, Web three Pro user, um, you can enter the space in the way that you've been used to entering the space. And so, um, you know, l- let's talk about that first category that I talked about, right? So, like, if you haven't used crypto before and are excited about getting an NFT, um, you can use, uh, uh, you know, one of one of our wallets. 
Um, but the cool thing is, you know, Petra, which is one of the wallets on our protocol, has MoonPay integration. And so what that allows people to do is come and instead of having to go buy a stable coin or buy um, crypto and then use it to buy an NFT, you know, at that point, you probably have lost, there's a drop off, right, in terms of adoption. Uh, and you've lost interest. MoonPay changes that. Uh, you can go out and very quickly put your credit card information and buy an NFT. No different that you would, you know, buy something on Amazon or, 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 or check out on a commerce site. And so we think that experience is the experience that brings millions of people to to uh, to, to crypto. In fact, you know you don't want to have to think about you know, dialing up on the internet like you had to in the past, right? The technology and the gateways uh, to the digital world should seamlessly go into the background, um, and you know blockchain and Web three should become um, you know hidden behind um, uh, uh, behind the application and, and simply. Uh, you know, the, the simple integration or, or its user experience for any, anyone using an application should just be the product that they're, they're you know, passionate about. Um, so that, that's already happening, right? And, and it's going to continue to happen. So imagine, you know, just going back to our gaming example, you know, if you and I wanted to buy an asset within a game, how crappy would it be right now if you had to go into a Chrome browser um, <laughs> or a different wallet, buy assets and then port them over to a game? That's not going to be an ideal outcome. And, and by that t- time, it's, game over, pun intended, I guess. Um, I was trying not to go there, but uh, uh, this is uh, th- that's just not going to be great. So you know, we think all the gamers in the future, they might be using a blockchain without knowing it. I mean, people, when you're playing a game, do you think that you're using TCP IP? No, you don't. You just hope that it works well. And so we want to create that, recreate that same experience. So I, I think that's an interesting point, right? The idea of in-app wallets, right? Where basically... You're interacting with Fortnite. You have a Fortnite wallet powered by Aptos, theoretically, or by some other blockchain. But you know what we've seen, um, at least you know on our end, looking through data, is that a lot of times these chains have low user retention when somebody kind of comes in through an in-app wallet, right? Where they're not necessarily using other things on the chain. So how do you get somebody who's interfaced with Aptos for the first time through some sort of in-application wallet to actually engage with other with other applications on the chain and how do you build that kind of awareness of Aptos, right? Like, I, like ideally, the person doesn't need to know, right? The person doesn't need to know what they're interacting with. But for the health and success of the ecosystem, right, and for it to grow from its infancy, right, theoretically, I think, you know, you know, if, if like, for example, you know, I, and I'm not trying to throw out a competitor, but Reddit with Polygon NFTs, right? The challenge I think Polygon's going to have is how do they figure out how to get people that interface with the Reddit wallet to actually go and engage in other things on Polygon? And is that really an active user on Polygon or is that somebody who's just using a Reddit NFT? Man, that's, this is such an awesome uh, point to bring up. And, 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 and there's so many things here. I mean, composability really, really matters here, right? Um, and, 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 you know, shout out to Sandeep and, and, and the Polygon team. They've done an amazing job um, raising awareness for, for Web3 in the space. Um, and, you know, we're, we're, we're benefiting, um, you know, from some of the work that they put down and we want to push a lot of that stuff forward. Right. And so right now, if, you know, a million people try to use, um, uh, do that same flow that you described, um, that, that could cause problems. Um, and so we want to be able to solve that from an infrastructure perspective, right? If a million people, you know, go on, um, you know, let's say Nike, um, and want to buy a sneaker, do they think about the cloud infrastructure that's powering Nike? I hope not, because uh, if they do, then there's a bigger problem at hand. Um, and so we want to take the same approach. And 
Um, as, as, as cool as it would sound one day for people to, you know, shot aptos from the rooftops. Um, I, I think the, the, the most honor um, and appreciation that we can get is people don't even mention aptos at all because the user experience is so seamless that the applications and the developers and the builders are getting all the credit. And I think that's the world that we want to be moving towards. And so, um, I, I, you know, we were, and, and with that being said, you know, no doubt about it, we're going to continue to educate the community. Um, we're going to continue to work with them in the trenches. Um, and that's, I think, the difference between us and a, and a cloud provider. Uh, we have a, an amazing uh, component of culture um, uh, that, that, and, and we're proud about that. Uh, but at the same time, you know, we don't want a user to have to worry about, you know, what blockchain they're using. We just want them to have the best experience possible. And a lot of our builders operate with that uh, with that perspective. I, I love our community. They do an amazing job about talking about Aptos and, and why they chose to build here and they're not going anywhere. They, how much they love Move and, and, and Move is so amazing on, on Aptos. Um, and we're going to continue to support that. But, um, you know, quite honestly, it, it would make me and, and our team here uh, very proud that no one even knows that it's Aptos in the background. It's, it's, it's just seamlessly working. Uh, that would be a, that would be an amazing day. So I think that's an interesting point. So what do you think of when you think of KPIs where you're like, this is what I want us to achieve in 2023, right? Is it number of applications deployed? Is it number of developers working? Is it number of unique wallets that exist or unique addresses on the chain? Like, how do you define if, if, if we were going to come revisit this in, in January of next year, what were the, what are kind of the, you know, obviously there's internal KPIs than what you're willing to talk about externally, but at least external KPIs and types of things that you, you, you don't want to look for. Yeah. I think, um, uh, you know, for, from a, just an ecosystem perspective, I think what three um, is going through a, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of cocoon moment. Um, right. And we, we definitely have to, to take a moment and acknowledge um, everything that's going on ar- around us um, and, and, and the challenges uh, that the space is facing. And, and you know, I, I think that the good thing, though, is it brings it makes us a little bit more principled in our approach going forward. And so what is it that we want to see? I mean, measuring users has been a problem for this space. Measuring volume has been a problem for this space compared to traditional uh, c- compared to broader tech. Right. Uh, I mean, f- folks throw out numbers of uh, transactions on chain based on wallets. Well, I mean, what if a user has multiple wallets? How many of those wallets are bots? Very difficult questions to actually solve. And, and, and you know, I, I don't think anyone has figured out a I solution. I think sometimes people overthink those questions, though. Because, for example, it's very easy to detect a bot. Like, if you have a wallet that's interacting 24 hours a day, it's a bot, right? If it's interacting every single hour. So I think the space also tries to – It's a, granted, we're a data company. And I think we've answered a lot of those questions. But, you know, I think I think this space often tries to – to overthink it, right? It, and 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 there's 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 some kind of more easy and, and obvious ways you can cluster wallet addresses if it's five wallets that are sending funds back and forth. Theoretically, the same person, but I think in the world in which you envision, where a user doesn't even know they're using Aptos, it becomes almost impossible to track. Yeah, because and, you know, I mean, uh, uh, all sorts of NBA Top Shot or whatever, all these different games, they have a different wallet address, right? And then that becomes, I think, significantly more difficult. To totally agree. And, and that's kind of the beauty of everything being public and on chain. So, um, you know, a, and attribution and, and testing is going to be really important to think about in 2023 as everyone starts to go back to that principled approach. Um, I, I mean, what we would love to see in the space is um, long term sustained growth. Right. And and that means, again, going back to principles of like what um, more activity moving on chain, uh, more activity being composable. 
And we don't know what those metrics are as a space yet collectively. And it's kind of hard to get everyone together. But I think we definitely want to start to see things in the millions, right? Hundreds of thousands of users for an application of, you know, tech, this of, of, of Web3 and, and blockchains being out for close to a decade. That, that, I think that we can all agree that's a little disappointing for, for us, right? It doesn't take, uh, it, it did not take uh, that long for um, Web2 to, to reach that level of adoption. And so, yes, it is early, but we also need to continue to focus on how we build products that can get to you know, mass adoption. And again, a lot of that is going to come down to the user experience. So, you know, what would be amazing to see by the end of this year is, you know, how we have collectively millions of daily active users or daily active wallets or, uh, you know, TVL or number of transactions increasing and, of course, abstracting away the noise uh, for, 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 uh, from those metrics. Um, but we also want to see um, much better principled approach at the infrastructure level. You know, we, it's unacceptable for... Um, you know, imagine trying to buy a coffee and, and, and the Visa network is down, right? Uh, Im- imagine, uh, you know, uh, 30 seconds uh, uh, of waiting for uh, a financial transaction to go through. That's, in fact, worse than the, the Web2 world that we live in today. And so, you know, if Web3 wants to challenge, um, you know, from a, a decentralization, it needs to still perform. And so what Aptos uh, is going to do is showcase those numbers and, and, and again, very publicly, right? Uh, Thousands of transactions per second supported. We've done some uh, very interesting testing that Avery is going to be uh, sharing more publicly. Um, Latency, where no one can kind of compete with us, um, is going to be really valuable to see. And all of that while maintaining a Nakamoto coefficient um, that we're very proud of from a decentralization perspective. So... um, it's hard to do these things together, um, uh, all, all, solve for all those components together. But we want to showcase that in 2023, and we want to be able to do it in a much larger way. Um, and, and so I think those will be proud things uh, uh, that we can look back in uh, next year and, and, and point to uh, as uh, marks of success. And so what are those first few things that are going to attract millions of users? Like, what do you think is the first Real, because like you know, you mentioned Stepin, for example, which yes, did have millions of users, but ninety nine point nine nine percent of them are churned. What is the first application that you think really attracts millions of users to crypto in a sustainable way um, on Aptos or just just in general to the space? I mean, I mean, I think I think we've seen some of that already with uh, NFTs, right? Um, and I think users, um, I guess, can be um, can be used broadly. Um, you know, creators have been building. Um, in the the days of platforms for quite some time and you know they get rewarded as a result creators on music platforms like spotify have been creating it they get rewarded the challenge is you know they don't get rewarded fairly they don't get compensated fairly all these platforms end up taking a big cut and so i think the applications of tomorrow um are going uh, and by the way the demand is waning for a lot of these platforms already especially as the next generation comes online um uh, and not online. They're just starting to, you know, actually dig in and, and you know, going out to these consumer behaviors. Think about the high school um, uh, student uh, that's now going out and, and, and is excited about supporting their fans. Think about the college kid. And think, of course, think about someone now matriculating and going out into the world. And, and they, ha- they have money that they want to spend and they want to do it in a way that empowers the creators that they, you know, they value versus empowering a platform that maybe will power, empower a creator. Maybe not. And so um, those are the applications that we're going to see gain massive adoption. And we've seen hints of that. You know, uh, platforms like Audius are challenging um, the status quo. Uh, uh, platforms like Lens Protocol are challenging the status quo. And so 
Um, have they reached scale? Not yet, but we want to see those projects be uh, achieve scale. And you know what we don't what want do those projects to do. Like what? Uh, uh, yeah. What what gets it? Because we we've been talking about a lot of these ideas for so long, which is frustrating, right? I've been in this space, you know, as you have five six years, right? Where a lot of these ideas we've been talking about them and talking about them and talking about them, but practically speaking, we just we haven't hit it yet. So when do we when do we get there? How do we get there? Right? I think I think you know it's it's it, we're seemingly so close in so many different areas. Have you tried Lens yet? I have not. I can't. I've tried Audius. I have yeah. used Audius before. Oh, yeah. um, I couldn't yeah. necessarily find anybody I wanted to listen to, but I have tried Audius. I have not yet interacted with Lens. Yeah, and so th- this is a very complex problem to solve, right? You, um, you, I mean, you need to get creators educated and get them onto Audius. Um, meanwhile, you need to go out and also educate um, consumers that are using platforms like Spotify, where ninety nine percent of royalties go to you know top two percent of the creators. And that's not that's not fair to all the musicians on the Spotify platform. You know, platforms like Tidal have tried to challenge that uh, that model. And so, you know, there's a lot of education that needs to take place. But we need to. It's a multi, um, you know, uh, it's a, it's a marketplace problem, right? And and but I do think we're seeing a lot of movement. Audius has a lot of work ahead of it. Now, what we don't want to happen though is imagine a million people are trying to listen to music at the same time when all the creators are there. But then lens go uh, the audience goes down, or uh, you accounts can't be created, or royalties can't be distributed. Now that platform could potentially start falling apart because of the frail infrastructure that it's built on top of, and 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 that has been a major problem from for for scaling pro- projects not only like lens uh, that change business models, but also platforms like audience that are changing business models. Um, similarly, with things like lens, I, I mean, if if you go out there and try to create an account there. Um, you know, there's uh, there's opportunity for improvement, right? So you're going to get a user that's going to fall off the cur- uh, uh, the adoption curve when it comes to trying uh, get, getting a Lens account set up. Um, and Lens is working really hard to move that ball forward. So, but what we want to do as Aptos is provide an amazing experience so you can get a normal uh, the, the layman or the average individual onboarded again without knowing. Uh, that uh, you know they're they're even using crypto, a wallet, or any of these Web three terms that we've had to you know popularize uh, for the sake of adoption for the Web three Pro user. But now it's that next generation, and so this is again where things like MoonPay come into place. Um, uh, things like Hypermint are solving these problems. Uh, you know, things like you know uh, fo- folks like PayPal are even solving these problems with their integrations. And so um, that tipping point, you're, you're absolutely right. We're really really close. All the big pieces are really starting to come together in a major way because these models are actually getting disrupted. All that's happening. And then you have the grumblings of everything that's going on in the world outside of crypto, right? Like look at the social media platforms. They're facing facing their own uh, share of challenges, right? I, I, I mean, I don't have to repeat what's out there, but uh, you know, tr- try going out there and posting a tweet and, and some of the challenges that you might go through on uh, using a platform like Twitter today. So the users are frustrated. People are walking away from these large platforms that they have used and that they are starting to become antiquated. And people are looking for what that next venue is going to look like. Take Mastodon. I think Mastodon had uh, you know 10x growth uh, since Elon Musk acquired Twitter. That's clear signal that people are tired and want to try something new. And we're and you know this is an amazing opportunity. And uh, you know I would kind of really encourage the builders out there. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're a Web3 builder or a Web2 builder, 
if you're a builder building applications and you can figure out, um, you know, what a, a, a grid use case is in social right now, you have the world in front of you. Every, all, all eyes are on you and it's an amazing opportunity. But in order to achieve, um, you know, things like um, a, a decentralized and completely open and permissionless social graph, you can only do that at scale on things like Aptos. And so, you know, we've talked a lot about TPS and block space, right? And my head immediately goes to, holy shit, there's going to be so much data there. How do you handle that? Right? Like my immediate thought is like five years from now, anybody trying to interact or access data is going to be parsing through, you know, with archive nodes, hundreds of, or not thousands of terabytes of data, right? Like how do you actually even <laughs> get the balance of a user like in the state? Like, like how do you know what a user's active balance is? You actually have to go through hundreds of terabytes of data and their transaction log and their transaction history to kind of figure it out. So how does that how does it actually ma- get managed? I don't know if I asked the question the right way. I'm sure you know how to answer it better than I can ask it. But how do you actually manage all of that data? How to like how does that you know I guess interact with people trying to build on 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 Aptos or tr- people trying to pull data from from the chain? Because theoretically, I mean, you're talking about uh, I, I would say what is unprecedented or you know there there are a couple of chains that we've dealt with you know building on chain data support for before where it's like wow, we have to deal with 40 terabytes of data to, to fully backfill the history of this chain. Yeah, I mean, for first of all, I think there's, a, there's some really cool stuff going on in AI and just imagine uh, scraping the, the web uh, to, to get some insights and some, 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 some good outcomes for a product, right? Um, ChatGPT, um, uh, uh, unbelievable in terms of the performance that that uh, product has been able to offer. Also we want to think about that level of... <laughs> Absolutely right. Absolutely right. And so, um, you know, the, 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 and there, there's always um, a trade-off, right? You know, what is the willingness to pay for a user, for data, for whatever it may be? That user could be an app developer. It could be an advertiser. It can be, it could be you and I just using an application uh, uh, as, a, as, a, as a user. And so I, I think we're always going to see, you know, some kind of economic value be attributed to what needs to be on-chain versus what needs to be off-chain. And I think that same world is going to continue to um, evolve, you know, uh, you know, as Web three continues to grow, um, but you know, take a take a look at things like BigQuery, right? Like Google has done an amazing job of indexing the world's information and making it available very efficiently. And we're very fortunate to have a partnership with Google, where uh, BigQuery is uh, going to be live on Aptos, and so you know, they're the ones that are actually going to be able to index or or or, or make information gathering more efficient. Um, they're going to push these boundaries. Uh, better than anyone out there in the market. And there are going to be new people that come to the world and have interesting solutions out there themselves. And we've seen a few in this in this previous generation. You, know, you have f- folks like Filecoin that uh, tried to solve these problems in, a, in, a, in an interesting way. Also ended up becoming very expensive solutions, right? So, um, you know, it, it's, it's kind of hard to say what the steady state outcome will be, but I do think there's going to be some normalized distribution curve, dare I say, on, um, on, on data uh, pricing, um, and, and, and what, and what that data is. And, and there, and, you know, not all data is built the same. I mean, our social graph may have different value, um, on chain, uh, uh, leading to, uh, well, on chain versus off chain financial, uh, transaction information might have a very different set of, uh, a different value, right? Like if there's a large block trade that's taking place in a dark pool, um, like, you know, two very large financial institutions trading with each other. They probably want some anonymity. They also want some assurances. And so they might be willing to pay a lot more for block space 
um, then, you know, maybe I might be willing to pay for my social graph on chain. Um, and, and they have the propensity to pay that. So I, I think you know, the, the, the laws of, of, of pricing will probably still apply. Now, the, the other thing that you bring up that's interesting is, you know, where we go to scale. And, and so, you know, some of the things that we've heard are just astronomical, right? Like, uh, you know, folks have asked us, how do you get to um, not a thousand transactions per second, which we can easily do. Um, and we can kind of talk about that without, uh, you know, on a, on, on a really good distributed uh, um, cluster. But how do you bring 500,000 transactions on, on chain per second? Yeah. Think about that. A million. Actually processing right now. I mean, obviously it's, it's, it's actually the wrong analogy analogy. Cause that's just for, financial transactions, whereas there are millions of other types of transactions happening every second. So, I mean, I, th- I think you can go out and, and look this up. It's an excellent point. Um, and this is why I, lo- I love your show, right? Diving right into the numbers. There's around uh, 1,700 uh, transactions per second that take place on the Visa network, you know, on average, right? Uh, of course, there's kind of peak times and um, yeah. that's 1,700 transactions per second globally. That's Visa is what, uh, 60 to 70% of all global credit card transaction processing. Now add MasterCard to that, add PayPal to that. But you know, you probably get to like 5,000, 10,000 transactions per second just, just to support payments. Um, now, tweets, let's talk about tweets. How many tweets are there per second on average? Not when you know Elon is well, we, talking I mean, we, about I mean, we, FIFA. We have, Twitter, we have Twitter Firehose access, so we process a billion a day. That's about, there's about a billion yeah. tweets a day on Twitter. Yeah, and so I think on average the numbers that were reported in the past were two thousand two hundred transactions per tw- uh, tweets per second on average, right? Um, and so if you start to add up two thousand transactions, uh, two thousand tweets, you know, ten thousand payment transactions, imagine all those things either happening concurrently or jointly, right? Uh, because social transa- interactions and payment transactions are starting to blend the same. Think about Venmo, right? I might make a pizza transaction and I might. Uh, posted on Venmo at the same time. Both of those, those are two transactions now that need to happen on chain. And so if, if that is the world that we ultimately want to support, you need to be able to support millions of transactions eventually, especially as more and more of this activity shifts to being digitally native. And so you know, how do you get to supporting close to 500,000 transactions per second? I mean, those are the numbers that we're, start, we're starting to think about. And those are the uh, you know, uh, glacial problems that we're trying to, uh, to, to, to solve. But did, does all of that need to be on chain, and why, why does it need to be on chain? I mean, com- I mean, one of the visions of, of blockchain and Web three is composability, right? The more you move things off chain, the more you start to break composability. The more you move to scaling layered scaling solutions, you've lost composability, and at the same time, you've introduced latency. You've also introduced security risks, and wh- while I appreciate kind of you know, whatever layers we need to get to. I mean, at that po- at some point, you, you might be asking yourself as a large enterprise, should I just use a cloud service at this point? Because it's, you know, the, the more you go up the, up, the, up the stack, the more centralized you're likely to become. And so, you know, as, as much of this we can push down to um, uh, being on-chain, as much of this we can aggregate to a layer one and have horizontal scaling, that's when I think we, we move to a world where we are not break, breaking composability um, and can bring that Web3 vision uh, to, to life. So, you know, we spoke earlier, you, you, shout out, you gave a shout out to Sandeep. 
And so do you believe in a multi-chain future? And I'm curious, do you believe in a future where there are actually layer two? Is there a world where layer twos need to get built on Aptos? I mean, if you're, you know, does, does somebody need to, you know, roll up transactions even more than, you know, to, 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 to be able to post even more than 500,000 transactions, transactions a second? I think um, that's, uh, I, I don't have the crystal ball to decide that, but right now we have plenty of uh, space. Uh, we want actually, we want developers to push the boundaries. Uh, we're, we're, we're not even breaking a sweat yet on the protocol. So we're actually looking forward uh, to more activity coming on uh, uh, onto Aptos. Uh, we have some really exciting partners that we'll probably share in the coming uh, uh, weeks or so. Um, in fact, we have our first hackathon uh, taking place February 1st to, uh, to February 3rd in, in, in Seoul. Uh, where all these developers are going to be pushing our network uh, to, to the max. Um, I, I mean, in, in terms of scaling solutions, I mean, we're not there yet, but other protocols absolutely have needed it. Um, and, and while you know, we think of a multi-chain future, I mean, it, it's a multi-chain world today. It's, it's a multi, you know, we are present in a multi-chain world. And so, the, but the, the challenge that's existed is those multiple chains have been pieced together um, through things like bridges. And, um, you know, uh, things like Wormhole and Pith and Layer Zero have done, um, you know, the best that they can and are continuing to push the boundaries forward as well. And, and some amazing teams out there um, doing God's work uh, to, to, to make that, make, uh, make that happen. Um, we expect these things to become hardened over time and continue to move forward. And, and we're rooting for those teams. Um, uh, and, and, you know, we're going to, but at the same time, we're going to do the best that we can uh, to bring a lot of that activity on chain and, and ideally to, onto Aptos. Now, an, another thing you can ask is, well, wh- where are the network effects? I mean, after all, we are networks. And so I, I think there are a lot, of, a lot of things that go into consideration. You know, what is the cost of using these scaling solutions? Not just from a monetary perspective, but I mean, developers now have to worry about an L2, an L3 potentially, and an L1. Think about all these uh, roll-ups and zero-knowledge solutions. And that becomes a very complicated tech stack for um, an engineering team to want to manage. And they're building a lot of technical debt along the way into their, into their product. And that makes it difficult for them to maintain their products, right? And large enterprises and small enterprises don't want to have to deal with that. They want to build the best applications possible without introducing that complexity. And we've seen, you know, again, cloud is a great example to pay attention to. You know, you have someone like GCP, um, someone like uh, AWS, um, and someone like Azure do a great job of making that developer experience as seamless as possible. Um, and the more you can do that as a blockchain, I think the more successful you'll be. And, and that's certainly one of the, the key things that we're focused on. And so you're on the Fundamental Value Podcast. And granted, most of our guests tend to be hedge fund managers and investors and traders. Uh, typically, though, we are mixing it up a little bit. And we have a few other uh, founders of Layer 1s and Layer 2s joining in the future. So excited about that as well. But one question that we naturally ask on the Fundamental Value Podcast is f- about fundamentals. So how do you define fundamentals for digital assets, right? You know, as you kind of look across the board at a wide spectrum of digital assets, you know, layer ones, DeFi assets, metaverse assets, NFTs, what are the fundamentals uh, that people should be looking at uh, when, they, when they think about the, the success and the long-term success of these projects and what they should, what they should be excited about? And it could be on a you know, you know, I would say sector basis, like I would define layer ones broadly as being a different sector than DeFi or kind of across the board for crypto. Yeah, I, I'll kind of take this up, uh, uh, you know, between a few categories. I mean, from an infrastructure perspective, um, you know, we're seeing a lot of um, investors in the space become much more sophisticated 
than they were five years ago. Um, you know, folks have engineers on their team that understand protocols. And I think the ones that will be most successful in understanding you know, L1s um, are going to be the ones that have um, a deep bench on a from a technical perspective and do understand um, you know, why things like Aptos are the next generation of blockchains compared to everything uh, in, in, in the past. Being able to write a smart contract and move and deploy it um, as an engineer very quickly um, uh, shows you the efficiency in a workflow relative to you know, other workflows that you might have had to manage. And so we, we, we think you know, the fundamentals to pay attention to are that developer experience. Of course, you can start to break that down as you build, as these you know, institutions build out their, um, you know, their teams in a much more robust way. And that it's, it's amazing to see that across, across the board. Um, and, and, and I think institutions and financial institutions are only going to get more sophisticated about the space. And we're excited about that. Other fundamentals to pay attention to are, you know, at the application layer. Um, uh, well, actually, I guess before I get to the application layer, the, the tooling layer. And so what are the tools that are being built to make uh, the lives easy for developers, but, uh, but also ultimately lead to a much more seamless user experience? And what does that user experience get to? Uh, and and I'll, I'll get to that next. Um, but, you know, what does the tooling look like? How much tooling is there? How easy is that uh, tooling uh, for? Uh, to, uh, uh, how easy is that tool uh, uh, accessible? Um, how easy is? Um, that, how, what are the outcomes of that tooling? Um, what are the efficiencies of that tooling? And so, um, how much does it cost? And, and so, um, these are the things that I think develop, uh, uh, in, you know, institutional folks need to be paying attention to as they're thinking about you know how people are going to be building beyond the layer one. And then finally, it comes down to the applications. And I think there, you know. Um, uh, folks like A16Z and Multicoin inv- in, uh, investors of ours, they, they um, you know, they've kind of proven out, you know, how you think about applications in this space and um, engagement. And I, I think you brought up some great points around, um, you know, wallets as a me- measurement, um, clustering wallets that have certain attribution. That's a very interesting thing to pay attention to. You have products like TRM that help you facilitate that. And so we have on-chain activity as a great measurement, but that on-chain activity is not measured the same way um, as activity in a trip, typical consumer application um, that is, you know, Web2, uh, that, that's that's built in kind of the Web2 world. And so you have to f- uh, identify what makes sense for you um, and, and, and modify those fundamentals for the applications of tomorrow. And that's when it starts to get a little bit hairy. And, and you might be, uh, you know, just to take it a little bit deeper, you might feel comfortable with a certain amount of risk within um, uh, those uh, active users or wallets, uh, uh, active wallets, right? Where you might say 10% of this is definitely um, redundant users um, or bots or whatever you want to call it, right? I, I might have multiple wallets because I don't want to get doxxed out there. I, you know, it's just good hygiene for Web3. And so, you know, it's not like I'm trying to create multiple wallets to try to get engagement up, but it's just a great use case for me. And so we have to be able to um, understand that attribution and, and, and user behavior is different in the Web3 world and Web3 applications than it is in applications in, in the Web2 world. And, and those are fundamentals that are still being shaped today. And so what are the most you know uh, exciting emerging areas in crypto that you see now? I think you mentioned uh, Lens with Aave, uh, but curious if there's, I know we've kind of, we, we've kind of alluded to this a little bit, so maybe we can go kind of quickly, but. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, we have we, we there are a couple of things that I'm I'm pretty excited about. Um, I, I think the NFT marketplace um, has, um, you, you know, it was a very exciting moment for just the NFT world and for the Web three world. But what a lot, of, a lot of people don't realize it, it it feels like you know eBay 
uh, for NFTs. And I, I mean, uh, how, how could we be thinking about um, uh, improving on um, that NFT marketplace experience is really important. And I'm excited to see um, there's some cool folks building some interesting stuff uh, that's going to go live on Aptos. Um, but you can only challenge um, uh, th- these marketplaces and uh, things like bidding happening within microseconds on things on, on protocols like Aptos um, or on Aptos specifically, I should say that there, there isn't a protocol like ours out there. Um, so, um, you know, we're excited to see uh, iter- an iteration of, of, uh, of NFTs take place and marketplaces be at the center uh, of that. Um, so uh, a, a Topaz a very difficult question on that is how do mm. places like that build moats? Like how does a decentralized application actually build a moat on chain? Um, so it, it, it depends. I mean, uh, it's, it's a good question. Um, is that application, how decentralized is that application? I think well, is, a, is a, a thing to as an example, right? Like I think in this theoretical mm-hmm. world in which an application has its own in-app wallet, like I think, you know, uh, you know, I think like NBA Top Shot had originally done when it launched, right? It was kind of clear that like the users had engaged with NBA Top Shot. They had their wallet on platform and they had built some sort of a moat. Maybe their licensing deal with the NBA was a moat, right? But like thinking about stuff that's actually happening on chain, like obviously Uniswap, you know, put provisions around anyone else being able to, you know, basically fork the code of Uni V3 for a couple of years. So I guess that would be another kind of <laughs> I guess, example, but that's a little bit less in the ethos of decentralization than, than you know, I, I think I think many in this space are going for. I mean, there's, there's kind of two answers to this question. The first is the one that you hinted at, right? Uh, putting provisions in place. And some of those provisions aren't necessarily... Um, you know, driven by by projects or protocols, that, you know, working with large institutions, they have their own perspective on things, right? So, um, you know, it's it's kind of a a forced moat, right? Um, but that that forcing is not necessarily because um, people want to like say we're only building here. But it could be permissioned or it could be permissionless. But the, but the challenge is, it's it's if you're dedicated, if you and I had had a startup and we got three engineers. I mean, do you think we're going to go out and build multi-chain on day one? No, we're, we, we, we just can't. Uh, even if we scale and hit a million users, okay, now, and we got some Series A funding from some great investors, we, we all, we, we've, we've grown and we got now 50 engineers. We need to make sure that we are building the best experience possible for the users that we have. And so going you know, cross-chain becomes very difficult to do. Um, and it becomes, and, and it, it's, it's because you want to be disciplined, you want to be focused. And so I, I think the biggest moat that anyone can build is providing the best user experience and capturing those network effects so that no one ever wants to leave. And that I think is a very difficult thing to do, but it's the most powerful note, uh, moat. Um, and, and so, you know, c- communities are thinking about that. And there are a lot of folks on Aptos that say, we're not building on any other protocol because it's so damn easy to build here. I'm not going out and building, uh, wasting dev cycles, deploying a product on, you know, a protocol X for a few hundred thousand users. I want to scale the million uh, to millions of users on, on, on Aptos because it's in, in fact the only place that I can get a million users. And so we think that the infrastructure itself is a moat, but, you know, going out and capturing those network effects is what applications are able to do as a result. And so, you know, uh, you avoid technical debt by doing that. And, and, and I'll just kind of push this a little bit, uh, you know, one step farther. Imagine, you know, we did take an approach and said, hey, we want to go build on multiple chains. Well, it, it doesn't stop by just building and deploying. Now we need to maintain and manage, right? And so that 
is another problem that we have to face. And, you know, two protocols are going to have two different roadmaps moving at two different speeds. And so that is the last thing that any developer wants to worry about. To that point, I actually just saw uh, today Maple Finance put out like their Q1 or Q4 transparency report. One of the things that they mentioned is that they, they, they got rid of Maple on Solana. Um, which is kind of the first time I've really started to see that we're actually an application actually pulling back and, and moving from multi-chain to, to being on a single chain, which is kind of interesting, which I think makes, you know, makes. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, it's a, it's a great point. And, and so um, I, I think the second question uh, you were alluding to that I, I might jump to is, well, what does the future look like if we're in a multi-chain present uh, today? It's because folks are trying to understand where are the best places to build. I think over time there's going to be consolidation and there's probably going to be, you know, just like there are only, uh, you know, two to three, you know, cloud providers, there are probably only going to be two to three chains out there. Um, and, I, you know, it, it's, it's uh, anyone's um, sort of um, uh, crystal ball shake uh, on what that might look like. But it's going to be, again, uh, the protocol that provides that be- the best experience and continues to scale with those products, right? Um, our, our, you know, one of the things I didn't get a chance to talk about is how we already have our first upgrade in place. And so while it took it took Ethereum you know, years to go from proof of work to proof of stake, um, and we're not sure what that roadmap looks like for the future, um, you know, we're pushing our roadmap, roadmap rigorously. Um, we already have our first upgrade ready for um, you know, Q1 of this year. Uh, that's going to go live. Um, we're looking at um, Aptos Improvement Protocol. Um, uh, uh, that's going to be taking place very, very seriously as well. And so we're going to continue to improve our infrastructure much faster than any other protocol out there in market, making it much more safe to use, more uh, scalable to use, and much more uh, much more efficient to uh, to use. And so, you know, we are going to see consolidation. And the one that you, the example that you mentioned around Maple is just one. Um, you know, we're fortunate, and you know, for for sake of confidentiality, I can't talk about the projects, but we're seeing a lot of projects start to deprecate support for multiple chains. And that's going to be a monumental shift as those projects go out and continue to announce, you know, we're no longer supporting protocol XYZ because it's just not making the cut for us. Instead, we're focused on the next generation of blockchains like Aptos. And so we're excited to showcase some of those. Um, but, but, but cool to see Maple um, making their stack more efficient um, and, and, and moving towards uh, a more thoughtful uh, developer-focused uh, uh, approach for, that, for themselves. Yeah. And, and, and I think, you know, also, I think people are realizing their treasuries aren't quite as big as they thought they were. And it's time to kind of get lean and get efficient, especially in crypto where, you know, uh, you know, not ousting anybody in particular, but a tremendous number of people thought it'd be a great idea to not diversify their treasuries uh, into anything other than digital assets, which is obviously not the most scalable and uh, intelligent thing in the long run. Um, But you mentioned Aptos already has its first you know, uh, mainnet upgrade uh, or, or new release rather coming out in a few months. So what about in five years where, you know, obviously if you're releasing something in a few months, then theoretically in, in five years from now, there's a lot and it's impossible to predict the future. But when you close your eyes and you think about where the, where the, where the, the, you know, the protocol is going to be five years from now, what is, what is that kind of dream? What do you envision? Wow. Um, that's uh, I did not get expect to be asked that question. Uh, I, I mean, it, it's it's kind of hard to tell. I, I'll, I'll maybe kind of draw back to an analogy here. Um, you know, when telecom companies were laying down, um, you know, cables across the country, putting satellites in the world, I don't think they uh, knew what was going to be built on top of 
um, connectivity. And uh, of course, we've seen amazing things like the, the fax machine come to life. Uh, we've seen obviously the internet come to life. We've seen the mobile phone come to life. And maybe just pausing on that last point, you know, did, did you know someone like um, Bell Atlantic envision uh, Steve Jobs inventing the iPhone? I, I don't think so. Um, uh, if, uh, at least not on record. Uh, but uh, uh, although the Jetsons have done an amazing job of calling the future, um, but here we are, and now we have you know Jetsons of you know. I'm, I'm I'm a very big uh, Matt Groening fan and, and and love the Simpsons. They're 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 probably they're up there. Uh, uh, them them and the Jetsons together. I think we got ninety five percent. You gotta get, you gotta get an Aptos mention on the Simpsons, and then in the future, you know, it's limitless. So, <laughs> I uh, I'm I'm waiting for uh, Sir Iger to give me a ring and, and and Disney to make that happen. I would uh, I would love that. Um, uh, but uh, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, it, it's hard to predict what uh, what people will build on top of a blockchain and, and on top of this network. But I, I do. I'm very hopeful uh, that some of these principles that we adhere to today, um, especially you know for your audience, I mean, they're going to be challenged, right? Um, and just think about like you know the LLC uh, that was invented fairly recently in the modern world, um, the S corp, the C corp, and those are new entity formations that have changed the way we think about innovation and build products and build companies, get funding and get, you know, innovation out into production. And so what things like DAOs do, they push LLCs and S corps uh, to the next level. Um, what, uh, you know, uh, you can do with on-chain assets um, is very, uh, it, it feels uncomfortable to the money manager at a at a, a large financial institution, and so they're now thinking, well, how the hell do I value this thing? Is it a a, a digital asset that has principles that we look at for fundamental bottoms up uh, equity value uh, um, uh, valuation uh, principles? Do I go back to my Peter Lynch days here, or do I think about um, you know how does a um, someone like a a Basquiat or um, a Warhol think about pricing their art piece? The answer to that question is yes. You got to think about both of those damn things at the same time. Um, and now you've got governance in the mix. And so, you know, we're sitting at a point where there is um, unprecedented amount of innovation coming together across so many different industries and fields. And it's uh, challenging the way that we've been trained uh, in, 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 uh, in, in the classroom. Um, and so, that is going to be a very exciting thing to look at in five years and see how business models have changed completely. No different than how, you know, someone like Apple and Napster have changed the way music distribution and music business models have changed. Netflix has changed the business models for, you know, film and, and video distribution. YouTube has changed the way we think about, uh, you know, streaming and content. And so a lot of these things are, get, are happening in, in front of our eyes. And I don't, I don't think it may even take five years, by the way. I, I think it's going to happen uh, a lot sooner than that. So uh, maybe in, in, in two years from now, we'll, we can. Uh, I'd love to come back on the show and talk about this. Absolutely. And so my last question, because I know I've taken a lot of your time and I'm, I'm incredibly appreciative, is what is your most controversial take right now on crypto? Hmm. Hmm. Most controversial take. Um, I think the most controversial take that we can think uh, we can say is, um, despite all the applications that we've seen out in market, we have yet to bring the vision 
um, and the mission of Web3 and crypto that we all kind of came to this world for. Um, some applications have come damn close to it across different industries. Um, and, and so I think the, the most controversial opinion you can make is um, we, are, we have yet to see that breakthrough product. Um, but that breakthrough product is going to challenge even the way we think about Web3. You know, where someone was extremely uh, maximalist on, you know, not my keys, not my crypto, you now have to build a product that gives you not my keys, not my crypto flavor, but also a hybrid of, you know, here are, um, uh, you know, different custodial models. And you have to bring both of those solutions to the table in, a, in an application. You can't bring one or the other. Otherwise, you're not getting to a million users. Um, and so we're going to see folks start to let loose a little bit as they go back to, okay, well, I need to grow my user user base, but that user base is not interested in, um, you know, self-custody solution within a Chrome uh, extension. Uh, we want to see in-app mobile uh, use cases. We want what you talked about, white label solutions within uh, within a, a game to, to make that seamlessly uh, 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 accessible. And, 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 pro- and people are building that on top of Aptos and um, uh, it, it, it may feel uh, a little controversial, uh, but these are the things that we're, that we're really excited about that I think are going to have the next breakthrough uh, uh, products out there that bring millions of users. And so finally, where can uh, listeners find out uh, more about you? Where can they follow you? Where can they find out more about Aptos? Sure. I, I mean, uh, Aptos, uh, is, uh, Aptos Networks is an uh, independent foundation and they can follow uh, uh, follow us on Twitter there. Um, uh, it's uh, Aptos underscore networks, uh, a network, excuse me for that. Um, you can follow me, you can follow Avery. We're always posting stuff that we're building um, at the lab independently. Uh, I'm just Mo Shakes at, uh, on, on Twitter, um, Avery uh, Chink on, uh, on Twitter. So you know, follow us for, uh, for some updates uh, uh, there. And, and those, are, those are good places to, uh, to get started. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on. This was this was this was great, and you know, hopefully, we get a few people excited about Aptos.